Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third week of the Double Coverage Podcast with Mac and Sean by the State Hornet. I am Mac over the third, and joining me again is my great co-host, Sean Holko. Hello, everyone. So, we have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, we saw the return of the mighty XFL, the Extreme Football League. Not so extreme this time. We also had a bunch of trades in the NBA to go over, and we have the All-Star Game where we'll give you some predictions on what we think is going to happen this week. But first, let's start with the XFL. Vince McMahon bringing the league back after a 19-year hiatus in 2000. Uh, First game kicked off Saturday between the Seattle Dragons and the D.C. Defenders. Sean, one of your favorite ex-players, Cardell Jones, was the quarterback. Uh, what What is your general perception of the league this time around? Yeah, you know, obviously I was a, a little too young to, to really watch the, the first version of the XFL, but I, I thought that they had a, a good opening weekend. And you and I, we were working at the B on Saturday um, when that first game was going on between Seattle and XFL. And I told you, I said, well, I can't pick the L.A. team, so I'm going to go with the team across the country, mainly just because of that guy you mentioned, Cardell Jones from the Ohio State University. Um, so... I picked uh, the DC Defenders as my favorite XFL team, and I thought that the opening weekend was pretty entertaining. Yeah, being a Seahawks fan, I just decided to stick with Seattle and go with the Dragons. And unfortunately, we look really bad this week. Uh, our quarterback, Brandon Silvers, was had a so-so performance, but so we ended up losing that game. But I think overall, the league had a strong debut this week. I think a lot of people, you know, didn't know what to expect, you know, from the image that the lad that the first XFL tried to put on with more edgy, more WWE focused. This one's like more focused on the football, I think. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, the, the, the added element to it, what which is what made it so interesting, is all the different rule changes that they decided to um, put in. And also the fact that they have um, not only ESPN and Fox televising the games, but they also have their reporters on the sidelines asking the players questions right after a play just ends, which you would not ever see in the NFL. So, for example, we saw this past weekend a, a kicker miss a field goal, and then right after Diana Rossini of ESPN is asking him, Oh, how'd you feel? What happened with that kick? And he's basically just saying, Oh, I overthought it and I tried too hard. And then um, the next day we see um, Fox Sports and even uh, with the ESPN broad pa- broadcast, you had pa- Pat McAfee, um, the former punter for the Indianapolis Colts, as the sideline reporter. And he's asking the big lineman a question and the lineman just starts cursing on camera and they have to just mute everything. So that's what we should expect with the XFL. What do you what do you feel about that interviewing players like right after they mess up? Because you can like tell like the kicker he was kind of like you know didn't really want to talk. So how how's your general feeling on that? I think it's a little you know uh, I think it might be a little too soon just going up right after they go up, and I think it's going to be something that kind of wears out on fans over the season. But what do you think about that? I actually thought it was pretty entertaining. I mean, in terms of the logistics standpoint and from the player's perspective, maybe it's not the best thing, but this is what sets the XFL apart because you can't do this in the NFL. The XFL is basically going to become like a league that is almost like a farm system to the NFL as we see guys who washed out of the NFL um, like a Cardell Jones, getting back in the league, showing what they got to try and get back to the NFL. So these are the different things that the XFL is going to have to do, and these sideline interviews uh, is just the beginning. Yeah, and uh, as we mentioned, you know, they brought a lot of new rules in there. One of the biggest ones, I think, was the kickoff formation. So the uh, kicker is the only person near the ball 
when they kick off, and everybody's lined up on the 30 and 35-yard line. Uh, a lot of people were suggesting that the NFL might try to steal this and adopt this in. You know, there's a big focus on safety and whatnot in the kickoffs, you know, is considered one of the most dangerous plays in the game. Uh, the, it kind of worked for me. I did. I was skeptical going in on what that formation and what it was going to look like, but I think it worked. Yeah, you know, it was definitely unique, to say the least. And the thing that was so interesting about it is you have the opposing team, what are they, lined like 10 yards from, from the uh, from the returning team, I think is I what it was? I believe the returning team is lined up on the 30, and the opposing team is lined up on the 35. Okay, so even five yards, even shorter. And the thing that was most intriguing about that is for, for the guy who's returning the kick, is if you make it through that first wall, you're gone. You're That's a touchdown. And I think that's something they wanted to go for. Exactly, but uh, it's also good because I feel like it discourages uh, injuries in terms of kickoffs because that's a problem we've seen with the NFL and them trying to limit that and the fact that you don't got, have guys running 50 yards down the field at full speed will limit that contact that we see um, in the NFL and also it makes things interesting for the kick returner because then you just have a big wall of men running at you and you can't really like see where the hole develops you just have to pick a side and hope for the best yeah and uh, another thing another interesting one which we didn't get to see this week none of the games went to overtime but uh for their overtime format, they have a shootout format, so it's a little like college, but not quite. Uh, each team gets a chance to score from, I believe it's the two-yard line. I might have to do a little more research on that. but Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't know so much about the overtime rules, but something I wanted to mention in regards to that is the, the conversion rules, which I find pretty interesting. Yeah. You have a chance to not only get a one- or a two-point play, but you can even get a three-point play after a touchdown. Um, and I saw... Um, an XFL Twitter account say like, oh, one team was up by 17 points. And they were like, that's a two score game in the XFL <laughs> because you can score up to nine points on a possession, which is actually pretty cool. Um, but in regards to the overtime rules, I think it's smart to give both teams opportunities because that's the real issue we've seen with the NFL. We know from the AFC championship game a couple years ago when Patrick Mahomes never even got a chance because Tom Brady just went down the field and scored. So that's something that fans have been hoping for in the XFL is giving the fans what they want. Yeah. And I think uh, so far it's working. Another thing that I really loved, and I hope we see this in the NFL one day, but something tells me it won't. Uh, we got to hear the coaches and the players live on the sideline, and we got to hear what the referees and the replay officials were saying during official replays. And that's something that uh, you know the defunct Alliance of American Football did uh, before they ended up folding before completing their first season. I really like this. You know, it gives you an opportunity to go into their mind and see what they're thinking of instead of having like rules analysts and just the people in the booth saying what they think. Yeah, it was pretty cool to hear the the offensive coordinators directly tell the play to the quarterback and you hear everything that they're saying that the quarterbacks that you then hear the quarterbacks relay the message to their huddle saying every little nuance that the offensive coordinator is telling them. And also in, in regards to the replay review, the funniest part for me was the fact that they show the guy in the replay booth and he is checking the replay and how does he how does he do it? Is he on a laptop? What is he doing? He's using an Xbox one controller and i want to shout him out for using the superior technology xbox is better than playstation 4 as we all know i, I agree any any complaints you can at me at mac Irvin 7 on twitter uh but yeah that was i really enjoyed that and i think a lot of people on twitter did as well it's only right that the xfl uses an xbox <laughs> x and x for the extreme right yeah let's not let's not say one more x let's just keep it moving <laughs> <laughs> so 
obviously, you know, this is the XFL's second chance at spring football. So do you see uh, a path for this league, you know, prospering and lasting more than one or two seasons? Can you see this becoming a fully-fledged spring football league? I definitely could see it working out because you are a prime example, Mac, as you said to me before the show started today, that you just like seeing spring football. And I'm sure that a lot of people feel that same way because we get an overload on football with the NFL and college football all throughout the fall and the winter. But then after February, there's just a big dry spell until you get to camp in the summer. So this uh, the XFL is providing what the people want, which is spring football. I think it will be successful as long as they keep making things different than the uh, NFL. And also as long as they are okay with their players wanting to use them as a stepping stone to get back to the NFL because they have to realize that they will always be a tier under the National Football League. Three million, Over 3 million viewers on the first ABC broadcast. We'll see if we can, if they can sustain that going into week two. All right, let's jump to the NBA. Uh, the trade deadline was last week on Thursday, and we saw a lot of activity from a bunch of different teams. I guess we'll start here at home. Uh, Wantaway big man Dwayne Dedman traded to the Atlanta Hawks for Jabari Parker, Alex Len, and two second-round picks. Let me get your immediate reaction on this trade, Sean. Yeah, well, the Kings had to trade Dwayne Dedman. He had asked like a month into the season to be traded because he just didn't like it here in Sacramento, as it seems a lot of guys don't seem to like it here in Sacramento, as we've seen over the years. And um, an intriguing stat that I saw last night on Twitter just about Dwayne Dedman in his debut with the Hawks, and we know that this is his second stint with the Hawks because obviously he came from Atlanta before he came to Sacramento. And the stat I saw is he had like 10 points, 7 rebounds, four blocks and he's doing all that in his first game with Atlanta, but he can never put up stats like that in Sacramento. It's what so we all feared. It's just, it's just the Kings effect. But in, as, as far as the, the trade overall, the Kings had to do what they had to do. The, the off season signing didn't work out. They got the best package they could. Alex Len is a guy who's a seven footer, just a big body. Jabari Parker is really the interesting part of this deal, because if Jabari Parker can look anything like he did at Duke, this is a win for the Kings. If he stays injured it's not too much of a loss it's pretty much just saying okay we messed up with this signing let's move on yeah and i think they got a lot of salary off the books so basically they have the money to try to do it all again this summer and hopefully they make the right decisions that's two of the big free agency signings that we made already traded away for a sacramento it's just a life as a kings fan i guess uh let's move on to the next biggest to the biggest probably the biggest trade of this deadline period which was Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins getting dealt to the Golden State Warriors for D'Angelo Russell. He heads to Minnesota. I think a lot of people probably expected D'Angelo Russell to be traded. Maybe not this soon in, but you could see that his time with the Warriors was going to be limited. Yeah, my guy D'Angelo Russell from the Ohio State University. You guys are going to catch on, and every time that there's an Ohio State player, I'm going to say that. Um, but anyways, D'Angelo Russell is a guy who had an awesome year last year with Brooklyn. He was really leading that team, and Brooklyn just decided to move on because when you have two All-Stars wanting to join your team and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant – it's okay to move on from D'Angelo Russell. Mm. Bob Myers did a great job um, just doing what he did. He didn't let Kevin Durant walk away from not for nothing. He turned him into D'Angelo Russell, and I believe um, he also got a first-round pick for trading Andre Iguodala. Now he trades Russell to get Andrew Wiggins 
and a top three um, protected 2021 first round pick and a second round pick in 2021. So Bob Myers is continuing to prove that he's one of the best executives in the NBA and the Warriors, they may be terrible this year, but they're going to be right back in the thick of things in the Western Conference playoff race next year. Andrew Wiggins, the last thing I want to say is I think that um, he will be a lot better on the Warriors because he won't be expected to be the 1A or 1B guy. He'll be like the fourth guy on the team, and he'll just be expected just to make a basket when he gets the ball. Do you think this is this is the last Hail Mary for this incarnation of the Timberwolves? They've been trying to surround Carl Anthony Towns with players to try to make that team a legitimate playoff contender, and it hasn't worked. Do you think this is their last chance before they maybe lose Carl Anthony Towns. Yes. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is under contract, I believe for like the next four years, but we know that means nothing in today's NBA is this is a, a player driven league as players get what they want. If they still have four years left on their contract and they want to be traded, they will get what they want. So this is what the Timberwolves had to do. They got one of Carl Anthony Towns, best friends and D'Angelo Russell, and he's been asking for him for so long, but here's the thing. Now it's put up or shut up time. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, they, they have to look. I don't know if you could really compare them to Shaq and Kobe, but they need to be half of what Shaq and Kobe was, at least to make it sustainable and uh, for the Wolves not to want to just hit the reset button and start all over again. Okay, so now this was probably the most confusing trade to me at the deadline. I know you were confused by it too. The Pistons wanted to move on from Andre Drummond. That much we knew. We expected teams to be injured, but they traded him to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They banished him to Cleveland. At least it's not Detroit. Yes. That's what that's what that old song says. <laughs> it's like Cleveland sucks and then at the end it's like at least it's not Detroit. <laughs> yeah, but it, I I don't see the reasoning behind this move for the Cavaliers. This was a win for the Cavaliers. This was a win. They traded John Henson and Brandon Knight along with a second round pick for Andre Drummond, who has all-star potential. I don't think he's ever become an all-star, but he has that all-star potential. He's a guy who can put up 20 and 15 uh, consistently, which is a big W for Cleveland. This was basically the Pistons. Champ said uh, Drummond is a former all-star. Okay, so he is a former all-star. Thank you. Um, I I wasn't sure if he had made it once before. But anyways, he is a former all-star, and this was a big win for Cleveland because it's kind of one of those why-not deals. The Pistons gave up on Andre Drummond. They did not want to pay him his option next year, which he was most likely going to take. So this was the Pistons basically doing a big salary dump, and the Cleveland Cavaliers said, all right, we'll take him, um, and we'll see how it works out. Obviously, it won't work out too well for Cleveland this year, but maybe next year. Yeah, we'll see if they're... uh if they can reload and maybe pretend to be competitive again next year. I do want to go back quickly to the Warriors uh, because you did mention that they are struggling this season. I think they're uh, in good position to bounce back next year. If everybody comes back healthy, you know, Curry's been dealing with a broken hand. Klay Thompson is going to be coming back from that torn ACL. And they're going to get a very, very high lottery pick, if not number one, James Wiseman maybe. Or maybe maybe they just go balls to the wall and draft Lamelo Ball. I think I think James Wiseman will be the guy for the Warriors because you look at the Warriors roster right now. They have they have like a solid team already because they have Steph, they have Clay, now they have Andrew Wiggins, and they have Draymond. So that's that's your starting four players right now. What do you need? You need a big man. James Wiseman can be that big man, and he would thrive in Golden State system because just like Willie Cauley-Stein this year, they would just throw him lobs. And Willie Cauley-Stein is another guy who got traded as he just got shipped off to Dallas. 
Yep, you see he's ready to get paid, as you said, in Sacramento by landing on his third team in one year. Yeah, and let's keep in mind that he's doing all this on a veteran minimum contract. (laughs) So I don't think he's getting paid very much. Um, But the the trade that I wanted to really talk about, Mac, before we moved on, and and we have have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to talk about the the Heat acquiring Andre Iguodala. Tell the people about that. Yeah, so Andre Iguodala was traded from the Warriors to the Grizzlies. There's pretty much – they pretty much came to – the conclusion that Iguodala did not want to play for the Grizzlies at this point in his career. He wants to be on a contender, and from what I understand, he had a list of teams that he wanted to go to, and the Heat were on that team. This was a great get-back for the Grizzlies. They got Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, James Johnson. Uh, Gorgie Jang. Gorgie I'm sorry, I didn't see that on the report that I have up. Uh, obviously, I believe they ended up waiving Deion Waiters, but this was a great like get for them to get a young player like Winslow for somebody who wasn't going to play, and they got a first-round pick from it anyway. So Yeah, this trade was pretty interesting. Miami not only acquired Andre Iguodala, but also Jay Crowder, who is a solid 3-and-D guy, along with Solomon Hill, who's going to sit at the end of the bench. Minnesota got James Johnson in this deal, so he's one of the eight players who Minnesota acquired at this trade deadline to completely reshape their team. <clears throat> but I thought that this was very interesting for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies because you got rid of Andre Iguodala and you basically brought back a younger Andre Iguodala and Justice Winslow, who's just not as experienced. So this is really a win now move for the Heat. Yeah, they got a real. I think I think both teams benefit from this deal. And uh, was this the massive twelve team, twelve player deal? Uh, no, it wasn't. And I want to talk about that right now before we move on to All Star Weekend predictions. And so what Mac is referencing is a twelve team deal between, or excuse me, twelve oh, yes. a twelve player deal between four teams. Let's get that right: Houston Rockets, Atlanta Hawks, Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Denver Nuggets. The centerpieces in this deal was Clint Capella went to the Atlanta Hawks from Houston, and Robert Covington went to Houston from Minnesota. And then you have uh, the other ten players involved in that deal Malik Beasley Malik Bleasley was really the guy who highlighted the deal for Minnesota um, and this was this was a big deal it was it was the biggest trade that's happened in I believe over a decade so over it 20 was, years yeah, yeah. It, there you go over two decades so it's it was very significant what was your first impressions on this Mac my first impressions of this were um, I'm not exactly sure what Houston is doing here uh, I mean obviously you gave all that money to Clint Capella in the offseason so did you know that it wasn't going to work out and you just decided to keep him anyway uh, they really seem to be committed to small ball this season I heard a stat that said no player above 6-7 other than Clint Capella was getting all that significant minutes on the Rockets so it'll be interesting to see how they move going forward you know obviously they're still so in playoff position so yeah the the most interesting part about this deal is that um the Rockets traded away pretty much their only uh two big men in Nene and Clint Capella Clint Capella has been injured so that's a reason why they wanted to move on from him and also the Rockets knew that they had to get a, a wing defender a guy who can match up against uh, LeBron James Kawhi Leonard in the Western Conference playoffs if they were to face off against one of those two teams but the issue with that is now they leave a big hole at their center position and now you're gonna have have P.J. Tucker all worn out from playing not only the regular season, but into the postseason, matched up against guys who are six inches taller than him and stronger than him. So God bless P.J. Tucker. Good luck, sir. <laughs> and uh, good luck to the Houston Rockets, who will inevitably burn out in the playoffs once again. Yep. All right. So let's move on to the All-Star game. Obviously, the draft was, I believe that was on Thursday night as well. Yes, sir. 
And uh, so we have Team LeBron, starters for that team. LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Luka, and Harden. The West. It's the, the starters are literally the West yeah, versus look, the East. Yeah, looking at it, I was expecting a little bit of change, but I guess there is not. <laughs> it's, the, it's the West versus the East in yeah. the 69th NBA All-Star Game, Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. Before we get into the All-Star Game itself, let's get into the weekend that leads up to it. As we know, um, it all kicks off with All-Star Friday night. As first, we have the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. That's going to be pretty entertaining. We don't need to talk about that too much. But let's get into the I do, NBA. I am interested to see how Stephen A. Smith copes as being a head coach. Yeah, it's I'm gonna, looking forward to that. It's going to be Stephen A. Smith versus Michael Wilbon in a battle of ESPN personalities as head coaches in this game. But now, Mac, let's get over to the Rising Stars Challenge. Obviously, um, in this game, it's going to be the world versus the USA. The big question mark coming into this game and also the All-Star game itself is the availability of Luka Doncic as he has an ankle injury. So how do you think uh, the, this game is going to go? I mean... It's it's hard to predict because you know obviously they're both there there are a lot of good young players on both sides. Um, I really like the look of the U.S. team this year. Um, you know, obviously the world team I think has had more uh, star power in the past couple years. Definitely. But I really like you know John Morant, Tyler Hero. You got Zion there. You got Jaron Jackson. You got Trey Young, Miles Bridges. That's a lot of that's a lot of athleticism and potential on that team. So I really like the look of the U.S. team in this one. And then when you look over at the world roster, the only players that really stick out are Luka Doncic, who we don't even know will be available. And he, if his ankle really isn't doing that well, he will likely miss this game just to try and play in the All-Star game on yeah. Sunday. So that's a big question mark, and we should see um, who might fill Luka's spot um, if he were to have to sit out. Um, but I'm going to go with the, the USA on this uh, in this game because, like I was saying, you look at the world roster, Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, and R.J. Barrett are the only three players that really stand out to me on the world team, and we don't even know if Luka's going to play. So I'm going to go with the USA in this game, and my MVP is going to be none other than the first pick, Zion Williamson, because I think he's just going to have a couple crazy dunks. The people are going to go crazy. John Morant probably will play better in this game just in terms of, of an overall game. But if Zion has three crazy dunks, he'll win the Rising Stars MVP. I'm going to go for Tyler Hero because Ooh, that's... I've, I've seen Tyler Hero play here in Sacramento during the California Classic Summer League. He impressed me there. I'm sorry. You, you, could, you could see the look on my face. I was at the Kings game on Friday night versus the Miami Heat, and Tyler Hero was out there warming up before the game with a boot on his left foot. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you he might, might, you play, might yeah. have to pick a, a different guy, but that is a solid pick if, if he weren't wearing a boot. If Tyler Hero was to play, he would definitely be my choice. Uh, if he doesn't play, oh, it's hard to say because Trey Young might have Michael off too. But uh, I think, you're, I, think I, I like your thinking on uh, Zion Williamson getting a couple of flashy dunks. And, you know, him just being the number one pick, I think exactly. will probably draw a lot of the MVP. So series. are you going with Team USA to win the game? Yes. And then Tyler Hero to get MVP if he plays? Yes. All right, I'm going to go with Zion. Now that leads us over to uh, All-Star Saturday Night. This is really the showcase that we love to see. We get to see the skills challenge, the three-point shooting contest, and the dunk contest. So first off, Mac, let's start with the skills challenge. The participants in this skills challenge are Bam Adebayo, Patrick Beverly, Spencer Dinwiddie, Chris Middleton, Derek Rose, Don DeMontis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Jason Tatum, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Alexander is a replacement for Derek Rose. Exactly. So... 
who are you picking in that uh, contest? Ooh, it's so hard. You know, the skills challenge. It's really interesting, too, because over the last, like, three, four years, they've done big men versus uh, guards, point guards, yeah. which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say... Oh, While you're thinking, I'll tell you who I'm going to pick. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. with Spencer Dinwiddie from the Brooklyn Nets. He has won this contest before. I believe it was a couple years ago when he did win. So I'm going to go with Spencer Dinwiddie. He knows what this competition is like. I think his nerves will be okay. And also now he's rocking the 2-6 because he changed his number from number 8 to 2-6 to honor Kobe Bryant and Gianna. And I think that he's going to do it for Kobe. I'm picking Spencer Dinwiddie. Have you had enough time to think who you're going to pick? I think I'm going to go for an upset here. I'm going to say Pascal Siakam. That's interesting. I just, Why? I just, I don't know. I just have a feeling that Siakam, you know, he's been having a great season all year. And I think that will carry over into the skills challenge. All right. Over to the three-point contest. In the three-point contest, we have Davis Bertans, Devontae Graham, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald from Sacramento, Zach Levine, the Chicago Bull, who will be shooting in Chicago for All-Star Weekend, Damian Lillard, Dame Dalla, Duncan Robinson, and Trey Young. This is a excellent field, Mac. We have several former winners in this contest. So who are you going to go with? Man, I I think uh, after being benched, you know, we've seen Buddy Heald on a tear since being moved to the bench, and I think he wants redemption for that and redemption for last year. I'm going to go with Buddy Heald for the three-point contest. Yeah, Buddy Heald went 9-for-10 on Saturday night against the San Antonio Spurs from three amazing and uh he really has had a chip on his shoulder since uh getting moved to the bench just not to make this a homer podcast i'm gonna pick someone else because as people know mac and i are both sacramento kings fans so i'm gonna go away from buddy healed even though i think that it's a great pick i want to go with damian lillard but i'm not i'm gonna go with duncan robinson Mm. from the miami heat you mentioned earlier that we saw tyler hero in the uh in the california classic over the summer we also saw Duncan Robinson before he even made it on the Heat's roster when he came out of Michigan he lit up the Kings on Friday night just knocking down threes he's been doing that all season long and I think that Duncan Robinson even though not too many people might not know his name he's the dark horse and I think that he's gonna win on Saturday night and then a lot of people will know his name all right quickly Mac we're gonna get over to the slam dunk contest in this slam dunk contest we have Pat Connaughton from Milwaukee Aaron Gordon from Orlando Dwight Howard from Los Angeles and Derek Jones Jr. from Miami who you going with and why uh it's a hard thing you don't really know what they're gonna do beforehand uh I'm gonna go with Aaron Gordon give me a repeat champion yeah I I think that Aaron Gordon has a solid shot you also have Dwight Howard who's a former champion in this Pat Connaughton is underrated but I'm gonna go with Derek Jones Jr. Derek Jones Jr. has been now I'm picking back-to-back Miami guys here but Derek Jones Jr. has been in this contest before, and he he's a guy who throws down crazy dunks during regular season games, so I know that he has something crazy planned for this weekend. Um, I'm excited. I'm going to go with Derek Jones Jr. battling out Aaron Gordon in the finals to win. Finally, Mac, let's get over to the 69th NBA All-Star Game. So in the All-Star Game, as we mentioned earlier, we have LeBron James versus Giannis as the two team captains, and they pick their teams on Thursday night on TNT, and as I mentioned earlier, it's basically East versus West um, in the starters, and then it's a little it's a little scattered in the East reserves and the West reserves, um, but it's basically East versus West. Who are you going to go with in this game and why? Um, it's difficult because I like both sides. I think Team LeBron... Most the mostly West team, I think they have a lot more uh, 
stars. They're and, better. Yeah, I think they have a lot of better players. I feel like Giannis doesn't know how to pick. Because, like, in his first pick for the reserves, I get it. He's your guy. But he picked Chris Middleton, who probably wouldn't have gone to the very end if mm-hmm. he wasn't his teammate. So that that's hurting Giannis while LeBron is out there playing chess while Giannis is playing checkers. <laughs> yeah, it's a diff- a little bit of a different game they're playing. Also, I think LeBron's, you know, played with a lot of these guys before. It's where Giannis might not have that much experience with them. So are you going to go with Team LeBron to win this? And then who's the MVP? Who? Uh, Team LeBron. And I'm going to say I'm going to go with Anthony Davis as the MVP. Are you, are you picking Anthony Davis as the MVP because he is a Chicago native and the game will be played in Chicago? That is a good point. Did not consider that. No. But I think it all I think it helps my argument even more. Yeah, there you go. I'm gonna go with Team LeBron as well, but for my MVP, I'm gonna pick Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard has been hot in the regular season for the last like month, and I think that'll just continue going into this weekend. He wants to show his fellow All Stars that he is not to be tested, especially after what happened this past weekend in Utah with the the no goaltend call that Damian Lillard was heated about. I'm gonna pick Damian Lillard to win All Star MVP and Team LeBron to win the game. The last thing I want to say about this All-Star game is uh, they're doing some honors uh, for Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna along with the other seven who perished in that helicopter crash. And as part of that, the first three quarters are basically mini-games, so uh, you could have Team LeBron up on Team Giannis 2-1 to one after three quarters. And then that final quarter, um, they're just going to set whoever has the highest score. They're going to add 24 points to that in honor of Kobe, and then that'll be the final score. And there won't be a clock in the fourth quarter, which I think is going to be really interesting mac real quick what are your thoughts on this new format uh i like uh it was a little convoluted to me at first because you know it seemed a little complicated just changing up the format like that but after reading it you know i think you know i don't don't think it's a bad thing to do that i think i like the idea of having 24 extra points yeah it's it's pretty cool it's gonna be an uh interesting all-star weekend and mac and i highly look forward to it and we'll be back here on double coverage next week to recap the all-star game And we're going to be talking about much more uh, next week on Double Coverage. All right, so that's going to do it for uh, Double Coverage, episode number three. For Mac Irvin, I am Sean Holko. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Catch us again next Monday on StateHornet.com and anywhere that you find your podcasts.